Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Hey, I have a question for you. How many of you are scared of heights? Scared of heights. Wow, a lot of you are like me. Yeah, scared of heights. Um, like really scared, okay? Like, like really, I, l- listen, listen, I am, and I don't know when it started, but I got really, really scared so much that like, like roller coasters and, and all, I mean, all these things and, 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 and see for me, and I don't know about you, but something happens to me. Listen, something happens to my legs. Like they just stop working. When my brain says, you're not where you're supposed to be. Like, you're not on solid ground, okay? And, and, and like I know, if my brain's going, there's no support, there's no foundation, which you clearly know there is, I struggle. I struggle. Nathalie and I were over in, um, we were at New Smyrna Beach, kind of Daytona area, several years ago, and she wanted to go up to the lighthouse, and that was cool. I wanted to go. It's a beautiful view, but it just kind of goes in a circle like this. And I got up about three, one quarter of the way, and my legs started like, and I just couldn't go anymore. I just said, I'll wait for you right here. <laughs> and she went up to the top. And she took pictures, a beautiful view. I missed out, but there's no way I could have went. It, was, it blew my mind. Now, I know some of you are thinking, dude, that's silly. That's silly. Are you kidding me? I'd jump out of a plane. But listen, it's a, really, it's a real phobia that really has nothing to do with our study today. When I asked you if you're afraid of heights, it's only because the book of Ephesians is going to take you to new spiritual heights. That sometimes, church, listen to me, it's called the Mount Everest of the New Testament. It's that high. As we make our way in this incredible book, I would ask a favor. I know that you can't be here every single Sunday. Things happen. People get sick. Kids get sick. But listen to the podcast. Stay. Because because here's the thing. As we make our way verse by verse, we have this incredible climb. And once we make it to the mountaintop and stand at the summit cross, man, you will be rewarded like never before. As you have this glaring view of this, you go, what's that? Is you'll see who you really are in Christ and how he sees you, and what you're called to do here on earth. You see, that's what a lot of people struggle with. Who, my identity. Apparently in our country, these days in the world, we have identity crisis. Okay? I was filling out a survey yesterday for something, and it asked me, it asked me what I was assigned to, what, kind, what gender I was assigned at birth. What do you mean assigned? Nobody assigned me nothing. Anyway, but, but we, have a, we have an identity crisis. But this is going to teach us who we are in Christ. And then the second part is, what are you called to do? What are you called to do here on earth? Ephesians church, listen, it's a letter so distinct and so amazing that when you grasp the spiritual riches we have as believers, listen to me, you will never be the same Again, you have to grasp it. You have to grasp it. How many of you have ever been taught something that you first didn't understand and it didn't impact you? And then once again, when you understood it deep down inside, it changed everything and it changed the way you think. That's exactly what Ephesians is. There are times they're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm blessed in the heavenlies. What does that mean? I don't know. I have to go to work tomorrow. But when you really get it, oh, wow, you'll never be the same. You go, well, Ben, where should we start? Well, I think a good place to start is the person who got the revelations from God, the Apostle Paul. His story is found a little bit in Acts 19, a little bit in 18. I charge you to turn to 18. And for the sake of time, we're gonna, we're only gonna read in part. So Acts chapter 18, if you didn't bring a Bible, that's cool. It'll be up on the screen. But Acts chapter 18, picking it up in verse 23, let's read together because I want to give you a good intro. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Phygeria in order, strengthening all the disciples. Verse 24. 
Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Okay, so now we're getting some, we're getting some background. Apollos comes to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Here's the problem. Though he, speaking of Apollos, only knew the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Aquila and Priscilla, wonderful couple in the church, heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross over Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace. Though he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing them the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding his disciples. Your attention, please, for just a moment. You can kind of see that Paul uses Apollos as an example of the book of Ephesians. You see, Apollos was a great man who knew the word of God, but he didn't know all the word of God, okay? He knew John's baptism, and although he was very eloquent and he was preaching, Aquila and Priscilla said, whoa, 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 there's more to it. There's more to what you're, there is? And that really is the book of Ephesians. You go, how so? We, we, we can preach the gospel found in 1 Corinthians. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And he's coming back for us. And many go, amen. Okay. And, and, but we, when we don't get it, and somebody comes along and says, no, 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 let's look a little bit deeper. Let's look a little bit deeper. This is what I'm talking It's deeper. You go, wow. Wow. And so my job as the pastor, is to be like Aquila and Priscilla and, and, and bring you into a deeper knowledge of God's Word. God's Word. Why? Everybody say, why? why? This is important. If I were to come up here and simply preach to you, listen to me. When the hard times come, you don't have a foundation that you can hold on to. But when you learn and apply and believe the word of God, your foundation is secure. Although life is still hard. Come on, somebody. Although life is unpredictable. You still have the foundation of the word of God. And that's what we need. If this world gets crazy, er, We've got to have the foundation of the Word of God. So we know Paul is going to be in Ephesus. And he's been there before. This is coming back. But Paul is going to stay in Ephesus for three years. Three years he's going to teach and he's going to establish the church in Ephesus. Look at verse 2 in Acts chapter 19. Then he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Well, into what were you baptized? And they said, Well, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, Indeed, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that the people that they should believe in him who came after him, that is, Christ Jesus, then he heard this, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now these men were about twelve. Now this is the beginning of Paul teaching in Ephesus. This is where. Now, he's not going to write this till later on, but this is where he begins. So Paul comes in, and he's, he's starting his ministry. He's starting his ministry. But I want to show you something very interesting, and you need to grasp this. Where does all ministry start? All ministry starts with the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important for us as believers to ask this question, am I baptized in the Holy Spirit? Am I baptized? Am I, 
am I exactly, see, see, I've been walking in my denomination for years, or I've been walking in this religion for years, or I haven't been walking with God at all, but now you come to the place where you go, Lord, I want to draw closer to you. It's 2023. I feel like I want to draw so close. I need, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need a baptism. And this is what he says. He says, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues. Not that, that we need to speak with tongues or we need to prophesy, but we need the power for everyday life. We need the power for everyday life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you agree, say amen. amen. So Paul's there in, in, in Ephesus. And let me give you a, a brief summary since this is the introduction. Um, the Apostle Paul is on his third missionary journey. And he begins in the summer of 53 AD. By autumn of 54, he arrives finally in Ephesus. Like an extended stay, he, like in his extended stays in the Syrian Antioch and, and Antioch and there in Corinth, he lives in the city for a little bit of time, significant of time, and then he moves on. Well, here he's been there for three years. Why is that important? Because listen, church, this is where he's going to establish, not only establish, but fall in love with the people. And when you begin to write to a people you love, it's a little bit different. You see, Paul writing to the Corinthian church knew that was a messy church. He knew he had to write some harsh stuff. As a matter of fact, he feels bad because he's like, ugh. As a matter of fact, there's a letter we don't have to the Corinthians because it was probably really, really rough. You're like, okay, okay. So he's there for three years, and he's loving people, and he's fellowshipping with people, and he's breaking bread with people, and he's getting to know people, and the church starts to grow. The church starts to grow. Now, when he comes there, he finds what? Well, he finds a small company of Jews that perfect what? An imperfect Christianity of John the Baptist. By this time, Apollos had departed to Corinth, the disciples who are now at Ephesus were in the same religious condition that we, that we had when Aquila and Priscilla first spoke to them. Though doubtless they were inferior to both, both, uh, to him, both in learning and in zeal. Okay? So your attention, please. Apollos comes in, he teaches to, and he makes disciples, but he only makes the baptism of John. So these guys become disciples, but they only know so much. Apollos leaves, Paul comes in, he goes, hey, so tell me what you've learned. And they're like, well, we've learned the baptism of John. And so now he's got to continue to feed them, to feed them. That's key. Why? Because you know our goal for 2023. Our goal is to make you guys the best fed, most loved church in all of Lubbock. I'm not in competition with any other church. I have enough to stand before God with y'all than to, to be in competition. I have to, Lord, I have to give an account for every one of you in this church. So I'm not in competition, but my goal is to feed you as best I can. And to love you. We want to, we want to see, listen, again, that should be our goal. We should go, man, we just need to love on people. They're broken. They're hurting. What do I, what can I do? And sometimes a simple smile. When somebody who's hurting, a hug. And that's what we want. That's what we want here. And so that's what Paul does. He spends three years doing what you're doing. When we see new people come in the door, church, we don't just go, oh, hey, well, welcome. I don't know who they are. But we should go and say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And, and make them feel like they matter. Because I can tell you this, you matter. Amen. People matter. Amen. But God is using us to make people feel loved. Amen. It's an easy job when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, small, so Paul spends three years in Ephesus and later, he writes this amazing letter to the believers in his church. But let me give you a side note, okay? If you're taking notes, here's what you need to know. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and the book of Philemon were all called the prison epistles, okay? You go, what does that mean? 
They were written during Paul's Roman imprisonment. Okay, you go, okay, what's the point? Guys, pull it out. Pull it out there for for our lives. Listen, Paul gives us a good example that life isn't always going to be easy. Paul gives us a good example where we might end up as as, as believers in the near future. He really does. But instead of wallowing in a Roman prison and complaining to God, Paul says, no, I'm going to make the most of my time wherever I am, and I'm going to, and he writes these letters. And he writes these letters. You go, what's the point? Maybe some of us in this room are going to end up in prison for being believers. I want to be so close to the Lord that we would have a prison ministry. And I was thinking about this, and I want you to put on your thinking caps for just a second. I want you to think about this. If Paul's still loving people in prison and writing letters and, and, and being chained to the guard and telling the guards, I mean, the guards are probably like, seriously, I got Paul duty today. No, I don't want to hear the gospel again. Click, there's Paul. Hello. You know, he's just like, But I want you to think about Paul for just a second. I want you to think about all of the stuff that Paul went through. The beatings. He almost drowned, shipwrecked, all of this stuff. And he, I mean, they left the dude for dead. I mean, he was caked on, bloodied, everything, right? And he's like, Paul, don't go back in that city. They're going to kill you. And he's like, I have to. You know, I'd like Rocky. Yo, Adrian. You know, he's got to go back into the city. And here's why. Because he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus so much. And I I want that. Don't you want that? Like there is no other value in the world but Jesus. And from God and from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, everything else, everything, your, your love for your husband comes from your love for God. Your love for your wife comes from your love for God. You can love her how she needs to be loved because you love God. But Paul... Paul didn't say, you know what, my social media comes first. Paul didn't say, you know, this comes first. He says the Lord. And listen, and, and, and not only did Paul love God, but he loved people. Why? Because again, he was left for dead. And he got up and went back in to tell him about Jesus. You know what happens to us when we get, when we get rejected? Hey, can I tell you about the love of Jesus? No, get out of here! We go, okay. I won't say it, but you know what I was thinking. Well, then you can go to, and we, you know what? No, 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 we go, they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting God. I go, who hurt you? Who hurt you that you're so mad at God? What happened? And I just wonder the lesson we can learn. You know what it has to be, guys? Nothing else matters but Jesus. Nothing else matters. Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know how much he loves you? Even when we sin, guys, guess what happens? He still loves us. Even when we mess up. The Apostle Paul in our introduction, guys, received two basic revelations from God. One, it's found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, and Colossians 1, 24 speaks of the gospel, the gospel, of which he says, I've become a servant of the gospel. Then in verse 25, it actually mentions the church, okay, to whom he says, I'm a servant, okay? So he's, he has become a servant to the gospel and a servant to the church. Now, the church is birthed right here in, in Ephesians, it's called the mystery, but this is very important, okay? Because I thought the best way for you and I to understand the book of Ephesians is to understand the gospel and the church, the gospel and the church. So what are we going to do? Well, with the remainder of our time, we're going to break down the book of Ephesians, chapters 1 through 3, and then 4 to 6, that's how it's broken down. But we're also going to talk about the gospel, and we're going to talk about the church, I'm going to pull in Romans for just a little bit, and you're going to see. So, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, the gospel is explained in the book of Romans. 
That's the gospel. Okay? Very different letter to very different people. The mystery or the church is explained to the book of Ephesians. In order for us to understand the height of the book of Ephesians, we have to compare the gospel with the church. In other words, right now, you and I are at the bottom of Mount Everest thinking, okay, I'm about to climb, so we really don't understand the heights and all of the views up in Mount Everest because we're at the bottom. Okay, ready? I'm ready. Who's going to go? I don't know. And, and, and we're all adventure junkies. We're all enthusiasts. We're, we, we're going to climb. We're going to climb. But it takes, some, it takes some effort to climb. Why? Because i got to help people up climb. I, I can climb, but I want to make sure everybody climbs. Oh, did you? That's how we need to be. The first time I went to Israel, I went by myself. I asked my wife. She couldn't go at the time. And I really enjoyed it, but I'll tell you what was a super bummer. She wasn't there enjoying it with me. Oh, look at this amazing net. She's not here. Pictures don't do it justice. When she got to go, and two years later, I was even more elated. Why? I had already seen it, and I'm looking at her, see it. And she's going, and I'm telling you right now, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. That's how, that's how, I mean, you're just like, and the Bible comes alive. Here, in the book of Ephesians, we got to do the same thing. we got to pull, hey, did, did you catch that? Did you catch that? No, Pastor Ben talks too fast. I only got 45 minutes to tell you everything I need to tell you, so go to the podcast. <laughs> Many of you go like, yeah, I heard it again on the way home. We got home and we heard it again. We missed a lot of stuff. I was trying to write and you were talking fast. Sorry. I'll slow down. So the gospel is explained in the book of Romans. And the church, or the mystery, is explained here in the book of Ephesians. Now, in order to better understand the heights, we have to understand both. So, I'm going to go back and forth for just a little bit. In the book of Romans, guess what? We discovered that man had deviated from God's plan for their life. Can I get an amen? You knew that, right? The difference is, in the book of Romans, man man is dead. And he has no hope. He, he needs to hear this. But in the book of Ephesians, we know we're dead, but we have a greater hope. So, so just stay with me. Just stay with me, okay? The book of Ephesians, here's what we're going to learn. That we as believers are already seen as in Christ. Perfect people as living stones loving God. Okay? That's how God sees you. Now, if you get nothing else from this introduction and you're halfway asleep right now, then wake up. But seriously, if you get nothing else, you need to know that God sees you in Christ. He doesn't see you the way you are. We see, like I see Francis the way he is. This is Francis. I recognize Francis. Okay? For those of you watching online, Francis is a big guy. Big guy. Big guy. But God sees Jesus. God sees him in Christ. And that is such peace and comfort. He sees him in Christ. How big is your God? How big is your God? How big is your God? Mine's a big God. But sometimes life feels like the ocean waves, does it not? You go, what do you mean? Well, if you go to the ocean, it starts off real small, doesn't it? There's just a little wave. It just tickles your feet. That doesn't bother me. You sort of kick it. And then you move out a little bit further, and it's a little bit bigger, and might hit your knees. Not a big deal. Not going to knock me down. There's a little waves. You get a little bit further, guess what happens? They're a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And eventually you're up to here, and guess what? If a wave comes, it wants to go over you. 
And that's how life we feel sometimes. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I got the little waves, and then we get deeper with God, and we feel like these waves. And, and here's the problem with the, with the ocean. Come on, somebody. They keep coming, and they keep coming, and they keep coming, and we go, wow, wow. And that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, listen, but this is how God wants to see us. Perfect people as living stones and loving God. Let me explain just a little further. The book of Romans is where we get the gospel. But it begins with a problem. It's called sin. Everybody say sin. Sin. Okay? Now, here's the thing with sin. Sin is a very interesting thing. And if you'll take a moment, you can realize that sin is, is, I mean, almost describable in any way, shape, or form. You go, how so? Okay. Since um, the dry cleaners vacated several couple of months ago, it's been empty and we have found that there have been a couple of little, three or four little church mice in the church. Once it gets cold, they kind of come in and they scatter around. And, and so guess what I do? I, I goes to hunting. Okay? I go to hunting. You go, you use that? Yeah, I use the traps. I, the, you know, boom. Now, here's what I found. They love chocolate. They don't like... They don't like cheese. They love, they love Milky Ways and Snickers. Trust me. A little bit for the, little bit for the mice on the trap, a little bit for Pastor Ben, a little bit for the mice, a little bit Pastor Ben. So I'll take the trap and I'll put a little bit of chocolate, nougat and all that stuff on the mouse trap. And I'll lay it down on my floor. So on Wednesday night, we're sitting in my office, and we see a little dude go up to it. He starts sniffing around, and he looks, he looks, and then he runs back in there. Now, my granddaughter's halfway on my head, because she doesn't want to be anywhere on this, watching it, right? And, was, and this little dude goes back, right? And he, he picks off a little bit, and then, pfft. I'm waiting for that thing to snap. He says, okay, I'm, I'm good. And so then he leaves. He leaves. Wherever they are, they're, they're hanging out. They're having a little, little, little party. But here's the thing with sin. He knows it's going to kill him. He knows that if he takes that sin, he's going to die. So he goes away a little bit. You guys with me? But the trap's still there. And so I come in Monday morning. I look. Nope. I haven't touched it. Huh. That's weird. I come in Tuesday morning, open my office, not there. Well, that's weird. I'm sitting at my desk on Friday. Actually, we were sitting around the table, and next thing you hear, and he's gone. That's how sin is to us, guys. We know it wants to kill us. We know it wants to destroy us. And we'll avoid it for just a minute, but eventually we'll go back to it. And that's why we need the help of the Lord Jesus. That's why we put our faith and trust. That's the book of Romans. The book of Romans says that's how you are. You're just like the mouse. But I got a solution. The book of Ephesians is a little bit different. Why? Because the book of Ephesians begins where what God ultimately wanted. Already a perfect people saved and loving Jesus. So two different, okay? So you understand sin in the book of Romans, but in the book of Ephesians, we're already saved. We, we have not taken the bait. And you and I, as believers, are not even dancing close to the mousetrap, if you understand the story. We're not, even, we're not even close to it because we know. We know it wants to destroy and it wants to kill. Now, here's the thing. I put out those mousetraps for one reason. To kill the mouse, right? It wasn't like, oh, I, I'm going to put sin and, and hopefully he'll eat the little thing and then get really scared and run away. They're not. They go after it and so do we. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit to say, no, 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 I, I don't want to do this. No, 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 I've got 
I've got to have that within me. I've got to have that within me. But Romans says, you've already passed that. You're already saved. You're already a perfect people. I already see Christ in you. Romans deals with each person as their personal responsibility teaches. Each one of us how to become righteous. That's what Romans does. Roman deals directly with our heart and reconciles us back to God. Romans shares the salvation message, which is the gospel. Now, here's what you need to know. The gospel means good news. That's what it means. It's good news. But I remember uh, early on in my, in, 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 we were in, living in Missouri and we went to church and the Sunday school teacher was telling us about the gospel. And all he explained was the gospel was good news. And he said, this is the gospel, write this down, it's good news. But here's the thing, the gospel is so much deeper than that, is it not? And you go, why? Because here's the thing, in order for news to be really good, what does it have to do? It has to invade dark spaces. It has to invade all of those things. For us to be really, really good news, you have to go, man, I once was in darkness, now I found the light. This is what good news is. You, you, you understand that, right? You understand that's exactly where it is. Because oftentimes we go, hey, you want to be a Christian? You can be one like me. Really? How is it? It's all right. You know, we can't have any fun. There's nothing like the world. But, if, if, you know, if you want to... And, and that's not good news. To me, good news is when it comes in and it invades all those dark spaces in our heart. That's good news. It's kind of like how... A jeweler puts a diamond. You ever go and they put a diamond? What do they do? They put a black cloth first, right? Why? Because it illuminates the diamond even more. So my question is, is when, gentlemen, when you go buy your wife a diamond ring, do you look at the black cloth or do you look at the diamond? Wow, that's a neat black cloth. Can I have that? Here, honey, here's a black cloth. All right, Pastor Ben, we need counseling. Because in order for news to be good, it has to invade dark spaces. And that's what the gospel does. That's what the gospel does. So it's more than just, hey, it's good news. The book of Ephesians, quite honestly, is a little bit different. You go, what does it mean? You see, Paul doesn't teach us individually. He teaches us as a group, collectively. He says, this is the church. This is the church. See, Romans has already dealt with the heart. And now we see Paul deal with the group, the church, the saved. In Romans, man is brought to death as he receives the knowledge of his own hopeless and corrupted nature. In Ephesians, the believers are transferred to heavenly places. We are then justified before God and by God. We will also learn as his children and heirs, we're being brought into the immediate proximity of God. You've got to grasp this. Here's why. Why are you doing a compare and contrast? I'm telling you why. Because when you understand Ephesians, it's going to change your life. Why? Because if you don't understand Ephesians, then the enemy comes in and he's going to create doubt in who you really are and how you struggle. And when you sin, oh, well, you're not even saved, bro. You're not even saved. What did you do? Well, you were talking mad to your wife. You're not even saved, bro. You need to repent. And that's why people come and get saved every single week because they don't understand who they are in Christ. They don't get it. And so they go, man, I, I had a bad week. I was really angry at my boss, and this happened, and this happened, and I was just and I yelled at my kids, and I kicked the dog. Hopefully you don't kick your dog, but you know what I'm saying. And so what do you do? You come forward. I, I, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer. And okay, saved. He's saved. He's saved. Amen. And then, and then you say, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to live good, Ben. I'm going to live good. I'm going to, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to live good. And then what happens is that you have another bad week, and, and, and life happens, and it's really ugly. And so Pastor Ben gives the invitation. What do you do? I mean, you get saved. And I know that. That was my pattern. I used to get saved every week because I didn't understand who I was in Christ. I didn't understand who I was, how God saw me, and my standing in Christ. In Christ. Romans, on the other hand, what does it do? It ends with the individual having a new life through the Holy Spirit here on earth and uses that body for his glory. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Paul writes, I beseech thee there, brethren, by the mercies of God, now you're saved, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is your reasonable service. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't know if you saw that, but when you see Romans 12, he's dealing with you individually. It's not the church. It's not the church. But in Ephesians, the believers, you and I, are represented, guess what? As the heavenly bride united for Christ. Let me put it to you this way. We're preparing for a wedding. We're preparing for a wedding. Every little girl, from the time they grow up, dreams about their wedding. What it's going to look like. What dress they're going to wear. And that's us as the church. We're preparing for a wedding. i got to let you on a little secret. I don't know if you know this, but our bridegroom is coming soon. He's coming soon. Okay? The bride of Christ, unfortunately, I don't think is huge. I think it's a remnant. It's the faithful. There's a lot of people who claim Christianity, but they live like there is no God. And our job is to go, no, we had a leadership meeting the other day, and Pastor Sof, I said, what, what are your goals for 2023? And, and he says, I just want to get closer to God. I just want to draw closer to God. You know, and he doesn't realize what he's asking for, but, you know, I mean, those, the drawing closer, the enemy says, no, 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 watch this, and he's going to come hard. I don't know if you felt that. The closer you want to get to God, you can, you can feel the, the attacks. Nathalie the other day said, I was listening to a sermon. wasn't you. And I said, what? She doesn't. Li- she listens to a lot of good teachers, but she said, "You know what? We're we're on the cusp of a lot of spiritual attacks, guys. We're on we're on a lot of spiritual attacks. They're coming. You can see them. Watch your blind side. Watch your blind side, because that's when you don't see them. You're going, okay, I see this. I might know what's behind me, but I can't. And and that's where the enemy comes in. Comes in. Listen to me." Once you understand who you are in Christ, now the enemy is going to come in, he's going to try to dissuade you and persuade you and create doubt, because once you understand who you are in Christ, then, it's then and only then, you can go out and share and win others far from Christ. Only then. See, you and I, today, we're trying to be the best version of ourselves. But how do we know who we truly are? To understand identity, our identity, we need to know who God actually made us to be. So the question is this. The question lies at the heart and the background of the book of Ephesians. Now, what I want to do with the remainder of our time is just kind of give you a brief overview. Okay, So we're going to start to climb just a little bit. The movement of thought in this letter divides in two halves, two clear halves, okay? Very, very important. In the first half of the book, jot this down, Paul will now explore us. Remember, as a church, as a group, collectively, he's going to explore the story of the gospel. He's going to explore that. And how all history came, its beginning as a group of people now becomes the church. He's going to talk about that verses chapters 1 through 3. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word therefore. Therefore. You go, what does that mean? What is? What do you mean therefore? Well, remember, whenever we see a therefore, we always have to ask what it's therefore. But you can also remember that it's an application. It's an application word. Whenever you see a therefore, he's going to tell us what you should do because of it. So he's going to tell us, This is who you are in Christ. This is the blessings you have. He's going to tell us, this is who you once were. This is who you are. These are the blessings. And then he's going to go, therefore, and then he's going to what? Oh, man. He's going to show us how how the gospel should affect every part of our lives, our neighborhoods, our careers, our families. And listen. It's going to affect those who are far from God. It's going to affect. So, 
Let us fly a little bit high over the book of Ephesians and get a good good bird's eye view of the book. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish style poem. Let me give you a preview. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 6. Just a little bit. Here's just a preview. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, now, do you see that word every? Nobody does? Okay, let's go back to verse 3. Do you see that word every? That means every. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And, and some of us feel like, oh, no, 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 not you, not you. You haven't been a good little boy or girl. No, no, no. Here he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and to the praise of the glory of grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So what does God do? I mean, what does Paul do? Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things he has done in Christ. In Christ. Now, if you're a note taker, think about this. From eternity past, even up till today, God has purposed to choose and bless a covenant people. A covenant people. That's a good place for an amen. Thank you, Joe. Very, very weak, though. That's a good place for an amen. amen. There you go. Why would he do that? But I want you to think about this. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, is a very interesting verse. You go, why? Because Paul writes, but God demonstrates his own love us, or his own love toward us, that while we were yet Wait, no, well, we were yet perfect. No, wait. No, 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 yet, no. We were yet, exactly, guys. Exactly. While we were sinners, he says, God says, here's here's, here's how I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. I'm going to die for you when you're a mess. Too many people think, listen to me, too many people think that they have to get cleaned up before coming to God. I got to clean myself up and then I'll come to church. I got to, I got to get, I got to stop doing what I'm doing. I saw a story the other day. I explained to Joe Harris and, and it was a fella that came to a pastor and, the, and he said, Pastor, do I have to stop smoking pot to be a Christian? The pastor said, No. Befuddled. The guy's like, Whoa, seriously? No, Pastor, you must, you must, <laughs> you must not, you must not understand. He says, Do I have to stop smoking marijuana? To be a Christian. The pastor says, no. You're really not getting what I'm saying. Pastor, do I need to stop getting stoned to become a Christian? The pastor said, no. And he goes, I don't understand. He says, How? He goes, listen, it's the same way. You don't ever get all washed up before you take a shower. He says, you don't wash yourself, you don't clean yourself, and then jump in the shower. He says, what you need to do is you need to come to Christ and let him clean you up. And he'll take care of that. And that, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, but God demonstrated his own love toward us. How? God demonstrated his own, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, think about this. Think about this for just, put on your thinking caps. I'm giving you a lot of information. But I want you to think about Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to put it up on the screen, but write that somewhere in your Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Notice what he says. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is Abraham. Now, the fulfillment came... Through Jesus. Why? Because now anyone can be adopted into God's family. Jesus' death covers our worst sins. Jesus' death covers our worst failures. In Christ, in Jesus, we find God's grace. In fact, Paul says that grace 
has opened up a whole new way to understand every part of our life. Next time the enemy comes in and tries to run you down and tell you how awful you are and what a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner you are, just agree with him and say, you know what, but I'm under God's grace. You you exactly right. I agree. Well, you're a loser. I know. That's what Paul said, didn't he? Didn't Paul say he goes, I'm the chief of sinners. And some of you are going, no, I'm giving Paul a run for his money, man. But I agree. I agree with him. Listen. I agree. I agree. If I didn't agree, if I didn't agree, then why did Jesus die? What was the point? See, if I could be made perfect by my own works, why did Jesus die? I I can't. And so when the enemy goes, you're a loser, you're a sinner, you're a mess up, I go, amen, thank you for the cross. That's where I'm going to be found. In Christ. Now, jump over to verse 10 real quick in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this. And this is the plan. I'm going to read from the New Living, okay? At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything on heaven and earth. So God's purpose, here it is, was to unify all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, which is a title that means Messiah. God's plan was always to have a huge family of restored human beings who are unified in Jesus the Messiah. That's why we're part of a bigger church. We're part of a bigger church. Listen to me. Listen. You ready? There's one church in Lubbock, Texas. We just happen to meet in different barns. That's all. That's all. That's what God wants to do. Now, I'm going to make this a little personal. If God wants to do this worldwide as a church, you know what I want to do? I want to do this in our little, our little, um, little corner of the world called Lubbock, Texas. You go, what's that? I want to have a huge family. I want every chair in this, in this auditorium filled up with family. That's what I want. Restored family. Restored family, unified in Christ. We don't all look alike. We don't all act alike. We all come from different backgrounds, but we're family. You know what happens in family? You got great cousins, and then you got weird uncles. Come on, somebody. But we're family. We're family. You got weird cousins. You got weird cousins. Family's family. But sometimes you're like, man, my family's weird, right? What else happens in family? We're dysfunctional. We're dysfunctional, but we're family. And that's what he's saying. And that's what he's saying. We're family. This is how he, this is how he addresses the body. We're family. We're family. Where families fight with each other. You ever fight with your siblings? No, not you guys. So if you ever fight with your brothers? He's like... <laughs> Not now, because so's the pastor. He has to, he has to bless them. But maybe when he was little, he would. Yeah, we we do. But you know what? Are they still your family, so absolutely. Why? Because we're family. We're brothers. Can we do this? Could we learn to forgive? Could we learn to love? Could we learn to? That's what I'm talking about. Now, there's so much more, and I'm looking forward to unpacking what God has for us. So listen, let me give you a side note, okay? Within the poem, because he's going to start off with the poem, within the poem, we see, start, we see Paul start off by talking about the Father. He's going to introduce us to the Son, and by the end of the poem, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And he's going to see how they all work together. So now you're going, oh, the Trinity's found right up front, yes. And then after the poem, guess what Paul does? He responds with a prayer. That's chapter 1. So we're going to have a poem. We're going to have a prayer in chapter 2. Paul goes back to elaborate some of the key ideas that he found in chapter 1, especially God's grace and this new multi-ethnic family of Jesus. 
what does he do? He begins by retelling the story. Hey, I got to tell you the story, how this, how, how it was Jewish and then non-Jewish people came together and now we have Gentiles. This is amazing. And then chapter three, to marvel at the unique role that he gave in spreading the good news to non-Jewish people, even though he's in prison, he's thanking God for a chance that he has to see this covenant family grow so huge. So Paul closes the first half with a letter with another prayer. This time he prays that Jesus' followers, that's us, you ready, would be strengthened by God's Spirit to simply grasp and comprehend the love that Christ had for his people. Why is that important? Because oftentimes we'll pray that someone would, would, would not do a habit. We'll pray that, that a believer would break a habit. And what Paul says is, let's pray that they would be strengthened in the inner man so, they, so that they wouldn't even be tempted to do that habit. And he says, man, listen. And Paul says, I'm on my knees praying for every one of you. I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm praying. God, strengthen them. Strengthen them. And then he transitions. What does he do? He says, okay, so you got it? First three chapters, you got it? Everybody goes, yeah, I got it. And he says, okay, so let me give you the practical. This is how we apply it. This is how we apply it. So what do we do with the last three chapters of, of Ephesians? You'll notice that Paul will challenge every one of us to respond after hearing, knowing, and experiencing not only the gospel message, but who we are in Christ. And you go, well, how should we respond? How should we respond? Here's how. He says, by the way we live our lives. By the way we live our lives. Here's the question, church. How should we live our lives daily knowing what we know? You ready? Let me give you some ideas. Let me give you some examples. This is how you should live. How so? Cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus. You've got to work. You've got to work with that. Well, what else should we do? We need to live according to God's principles. We need to live according to the Word of God. You ready? It's one word. Obedience. Obey the Word of God. When God says, esteem others higher than yourself, that's what you do. When God says, pray, that's what we do. I think we also need to live, you ready, and practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Church, listen to me. We are so blessed. We're so blessed. We forget to say thank you. When was the last time you got a bill for oxygen? And I don't mean you, oxygen in your, in your nose. I mean free, right? God gives us this. He blesses us. Hey, let me ask you this. When was the last time you, you told your heart to beat? I don't. It just does. Exactly. We're, we're so blessed, but we take for granted. Oh, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. I think we need to live, once we understand who we are, we need to live and practice gratitude. Wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me ask you this. Can you thank God? Can you thank the good Lord even in the most difficult times in your life? Even when you have, even when things, are, I, it's, I, I find it hard to do, but that's really when we need to, right? I don't know about you, church, but I'd like my life to go the same every day. You understand that? I am a creature of comfort. Okay, let me give you an example. I have just a minute. Let me do this a minute. I'm a creature of comfort, and the other day, LPNL rings my phone and tells me that one of our one of our um, checks has been returned. So I go and I say, "Hey, listen, we don't we don't mail checks out. It's automatic. It's it's it. The church is automatic because the last thing I need is the lights to go down with everybody in the church." Well, I don't know, sir. We don't know. It just it was returned to us. That throws me all off because I like things to be a comfort, right? And it threw me off. Well, it just 
somehow when you deal with computers, it kicked this out. It didn't, so I have to go back and redo all that. But you understand when a little thing just kind of throws you off. It throws you off. I didn't say thank you for allowing me to go through that. I was just kind of like, are you kidding me? I thought, we have, the, we have automatic payment. What do you mean we want to bring it up? Where is this coming from? And, well, sir, now you have to come. Now you want me to come down there? And, 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 and here's the point. The point is, in the little things or in the big things, we have to have a heart of gratitude. Number three, or four, we need, to live, we need to love those that are far from Christ so we can win them back to God. No, 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 you didn't hear me. Because the problem with the church, not you guys, the, 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 the church is that we tend to judge people, not love them. My wife's, my wife's really great. She was listening to Skip, but she, she shared, and, it, and this isn't even my notes, so it's free, but here's the thing. She said something this morning that was really good. He said, Skip said, if I were to put a big giant sheet behind me, nice pressed iron sheet, white sheet, white, and I had a little black dot, how many of you would focus on the dot and not the white of the sheet? That's how we are. And, and it really ministered to her and she ministered to me and now it's ministering to you. But think, I want you to think about that. How do you look at other believers? Do you look at the black dot or do you go, wow, Lord, you're doing something in their lives. I just got to be, you're going to be faithful in this. Or do we go, oh, that's a black dot. Well, if you read the Bible like me, you wouldn't have a black dot. If you would pray like me, you wouldn't. Guys, we need to love those that are far from Christ so that we could win them to Christ. Now, we don't condone their sin. We don't go, hey, go for it, man. <laughs> Enjoy. And then wait. To... No, we go, hey, listen, this is going to destroy you. But I love you, man. Love you. I want our church to be a church where people who haven't come here in a long time and maybe feel a little bit like, well, are they going to are they going to judge me because I haven't been there? I want them to be like they come in the door like they're just family. Hey, I didn't see you come here. That's how I want our church to be. I think another way to cultivate our relationship with Jesus is we need to give more. Oh, there it is. I knew you were going to talk about money. I'm not talking about money. I think we need to give more of our time. We need to give more of our talent. Many of you are talented. We need to give more of our talent. And we need to give more of our money. We need to be sacrificial. We need to be on the offense, not for Pastor Ben, but for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as we get ready to finish up, in chapters 4 to 6, we see that Paul challenges us to take off our old humanity like a set of old clothes and put on the new humanity as the image of isn't that a beautiful illustration taking you know those old dirty clothes man man and there are so many practical lessons that we're going to learn for example instead of lying new humans speak truth instead of harboring anger they peacefully resolve their conflicts that's what he's talking about the letter to Ephesians church is very very powerful it's where Paul summarized the whole gospel story and how it reshapes every part of our life. That's the, that's the book of Ephesians. Now, as we close, as we close, I want to close with an illustration. Because we're seen as the bride of Christ, okay? I want you to think about this illustration as the bride of Christ. Imagine a young woman who has accumulated great depth through her life as an addict, as someone who's dirty, as someone who has been gossiped, as someone who is a beggar. Imagine. And there she is, begging. And a rich man, however, comes and finds her and says, hey, I'm going to pay all your debts. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a new set of clothes. I'm going to give you a brand new look. We're going to cut your hair. 
No strings attached. No strings attached. Now, imagine that same woman is invited somehow back to this man's house, and while in that house, she stumbles on a plan that she's stunned to see her name on a piece of paper written in beautiful handwriting. And as she takes a closer look, she begins to realize how this man has always searched for her and wanted to save her, and she's awestruck to be part of this loving plan. And as she keeps reading and reading and reading, by the end of the letter, her eyes are filled with tears. She feels like she's in the clouds. She feels so loved. How can this be? She writes, since I'm only a beggar. The man steps up and says, I'm Jesus, and I've loved you, and I've died for you, and I will bless you. You're mine, and I'm yours. On one final note, church, listen. This is what happens when the child of God understands the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter so distinct and so amazing when you fully grasp the spiritual riches you have as believers, you will never be the same again. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this introduction. Lots to compare, lots to grasp. So excited to jump into the verses next week. It's your word. It's powerful. This is a book, Lord, that the enemy wants to make sure we never understand. But Lord, it's in here, and we're going to grasp it, and we're going to see how beautiful and amazing you are. And we thank you for that. With every eye closed and every head bowed, still in prayer mode, I never want to leave a meeting without giving you an opportunity to surrender to God. You see, maybe you came here today and you're far from God. Maybe you came here today and, and, and you were saying, Pastor Ben, you were talking about the gospel and you're talking about sin. I feel like that mouse. And, and uh, listen, I, I don't know, man. I, I actually feel like I'm a million miles away from God. But listen, you may feel like you're a million miles away, but you're one decision from coming back to him. But you've got to make that choice. And so what I want to do is I want to offer you an invitation to come back to God. You go, oh, no, here it comes. What do I have to do? Well, all you have to do is simply acknowledge, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm far from God, and I want to be right with God. You go, well, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to simply lift up your hand and say, I want Jesus. I want to come back to him. I want to surrender my whole life to him. And then I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You go, well, well the prayer saves me? And I said, no. The prayer doesn't save you because words alone aren't sufficient to save. It's your heart attitude. The Bible says you have to be born again, and that's the Holy Spirit working. So let me ask you this. With every eye closed and every head bowed, no one looking around between you and God, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. I, I want to give my life to him. I want to come back to him. I'm ready to serve him. I want to be with him forever. Would you just lift up your hand? Nobody will see. God bless you. God bless you over here in the front. Anyone else? You're going to come back to him. Just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you, but I've got to see your hands. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift it. Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm coming back. I'm, I'm ready to surrender my life. Would you do that for me? Anyone else? You might be far from God. You might have been back. You might say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord years ago, but I'm backslidden. I hadn't, I hadn't even considered. I just came to church today. I knew I had to come somewhere, and God brought you here. Would you lift up your hand too? Maybe, maybe the Lord is calling you back. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised. This is the most important part, the hands that are raised. These are hearts that are turning to you. And it's not a work of what I said or work. It's, it's your Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray. I pray for them, Lord, as you begin to move and minister to them. You already started in their heart because you had them raise their hand. And so I thank you for that, Lord. We're living in an attitude of gratitude. If you raised your hand, would you just pray this prayer after me out loud? Would you say something like this? Lord Jesus... I am so sorry for my sin. 
I'm so sorry that I've walked away from you. I'm so sorry that I've put other things of more value than you. I never intended to. And so I confess that to you, Lord. I believe with all of my heart that you died on the cross for me. I believe it's no mistake that I'm here, and it's no mistake, Lord, that you're already speaking to me in my heart. I believe, Lord, that you died and that you rose again, Lord, and that you're coming back soon. But I need some help, Lord. I need some help. I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. And I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. But before we go, can I do one more thing? Can I pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit? In order for us to really grasp it, we have to be filled with God's Spirit. So I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray, Heavenly Father, the church is here. And Father, we need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. We need to ask every one of us, God, fill me with your spirit, Lord, so that I can do your work, so that I can do your will, so that I can live with an attitude of gratitude, so I can cultivate this relationship. I need you, Holy Spirit. I believe you are God. You are a person. Come inside me, live in me, and be my God. Fill me for the task at hand. I've never asked for this before, or I have asked before, or I've I've walked away, but I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus for the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit that we may be a Spirit-filled, loving, wonderful church in Lubbock. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you don't have a Bible or you want a Bible study guide, we have that for you. I'm going to be at the back table. Go ahead and grab that. If you didn't, uh, get your tickets. Get your tickets. Elizabeth is going in there. If you're new and you um, just go say hi to her. She'll have a little card for you, a little gift for you. We love you guys. We're here Wednesday night uh, in the book of Daniel. Make sure you come out and attend. And next week, we're, we're, in verse, we're in verse one, moving along. We'll see what God has for us. Can I get an amen? God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.